Where the hell have you been? Do you know what time it is? Well, it's two o'clock in the morning, kiddo. Hey, Pony, where have you been? I fell asleep in the lot. You what? I was talking to Johnny, and I fell asleep in the lot. I didn't mean to. Yeah? Hey. And I can't even call the cops because you two would be thrown in a boy's home so fast it would make your head spin. Come on, Pony, let's go to bed now. Look, I said I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. I forgot. That's all I ever hear from you. Oh, come on, Derek. You shut up. I'm sick and tired of you sticking up for him. You hear me? Don't you yell at him. Morning, boy. I, I didn't mean to. Hello, hello. I'm Katie, and welcome to Retromade. Your pop culture rewind. Let's continue the exploration of the best of the 80s and 90s with our everyman Patrick Swayze. This time, we're going to be traveling back to March of 1983 for the coming-of-age crime drama with an incredible ensemble cast of up-and-coming stars, The Outsiders. And as a special treat... Today, I am joined by Kyle Peterson, who I'm lucky enough to spend every other Sunday morning with co-hosting the Rocky Series podcast called One More Round. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me on Retromade. Thank you for having me. And I dare say this seems a little more polished than the Rocky Series podcast. I think you, you run a pretty tight ship over here. I try. I try. Hopefully Ryan didn't thank hear you. that, but... I know he, he's a consummate professional, and he's just an old pro at it. Plus, we've seen Rocky a gazillion times, so there's no no prep work needs to be done, really, on our side anyway. Brian does all the work. I think we'll start by opening the time capsule from March of 1983. Kyle, were you even born yet? No, I was born in March of 1984. Oh. So I wasn't even conceived quite yet. That was three months before I was conceived, roughly. <laughs> well i was i guess i would be a toddler i was over yeah you'd be about like, two you're yeah my sister's age like i have an older sister yeah could you graduated in 99 i'm guessing yes i was yeah. august of 81 so it was like a oh, year and a half my sister's august I was a year 81 and a half. yeah she's august 3rd really august 8th whoa yeah pretty close like august we're us leos we're yeah it's a whole thing since you weren't born yet, but you did have an older sister, and I'm assuming you watched some of this. Some of this might be familiar to you, like in syndication or just being alive in the world. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. if you think about, say, like you're born and then your earliest memories are you know, maybe four or five years old, something like that. So my early years, earliest memories would be, I can remember when I was three, actually, mm -hmm. so 87. But you think, like, how much has changed in four years? Not a ton. So that'd be, like, us remembering 2019. The world doesn't look, other than, say, the obvious event that happened in 2020, mm -hmm. the actual mm -hmm. look of the world and the way people talked or dressed and stuff isn't substantially different. So a lot of things seem kind of familiar, even though the movie's obviously not set in the 80s. Correct. And that is one of the things, we'll get into that, but I, to that point, I think, that is one of the things that helps a movie not seem dated is if it's like a period piece of sorts. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. And I like the levels of detail. Like, for example, you see prices in certain areas, mm -hmm. the, the price of gas or there's the scene in the grocery store 
and it has like the price of bacon and stuff. But I'm a nerd. So I'm, I'm looking it up on my phone. So like the price of gas, for example, is like 39 cents a gallon. But that'd be about 350 today from 1966. Oh, okay. So I'm like, someone did the math. Mm-hmm. You know, and well, I like this was a pro. It was yeah. Francis Ford Coppola, which we'll get into, but he knew a thing or two about movie making. Exactly. Yeah. But before we get into The Outsiders, we want to set that stage because it came out in March of 1983. Now, you'll have to pipe in these if, you, if your parents talked about these or if you're aware of any of these or watched them in syndication. But according to Nielsen ratings, the top shows were Dallas, MASH, and this was actually MASH's final season, 83, Magnum P.I., Dynasty, Three's Company. Did you watch that in syndication ever? Uh, I loved this Yeah, show. my grandpa really liked Three's Company. I remember trying to like it as a kid. Probably reruns, mind you. But, yeah. And I, I didn't get it. Like, it was above my head. I think that's probably a good thing for that age. But even, like, yeah. Mash, I'd watch MASH and stuff. Like, there's always reruns of these shows going. Yep. And But that's yeah. back when you just had to watch whatever's on TV. Like, you can't just stream whatever you feel like. Exactly. Yeah. And so there were a lot of reruns. I think I think I saw a lot of things like that were because I had older sisters as well. So I saw things that were beyond my year, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, because yeah, you yeah. could, like I said, you couldn't hit. And I yeah. remember watching like Cheers and things like that. I think now I'm like, I have a 10 year old daughter and there's no way she'll she'd sit through Cheers. No, like not happening. Yeah. The attention spans have changed yeah that well that's another thing too it's like i actually have a hard time watching a movie with her in general like getting her to sit for an hour and a half so yeah they like to it's tiktok and youtube shorts and you need just smaller videos so this mm -hmm. is just the endless cycle of the older generation harping on the younger generation i'm sure yeah they'll do the same thing with their kids too it's true but I mean, how much smaller can we get? I mean, will they just, I can't imagine what their kids will be watching. Yeah. Like I remember when watching anything. TikTok first came out, for example, and it was like videos under a minute. I'm like, what's the point of it? And now it's like, it's, you get in this void where you're watching it forever and then you stop watching it and you feel like shit. Can I say that on the podcast? Can I say? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Cool. You can curse. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all for cursing. Um. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. It is. And you're right. Like our parents said the same similar things about us. But I never watched Falcon Crest, but it was also one of the popular shows, as was The Love Boat. I've never seen The Love Boat. Ryan thinks I would like it. Oh, is that right? Yeah, like, I've never seen Love Boat either or Falcon Crest. Or he, honestly, even Magnum P.I. Like I've seen shots of it and stuff, but I never same. watched an episode. I don't know why. There were never reruns of that, but then there were reruns of Three's Company and Nash and stuff, or Cheers. Yeah, or, good point. I, I don't know who's I, in charge of deciding what reruns you should show, but whatever. I agree. Yeah. The A-Team, this was their season, or their series premiere right? for the A-Team with our Clubber Lang. That's right. That's right. And uh, AKA Mr. T. The Jeffersons, and I have seen that in syndication quite a bit. It's pretty good. Never watched the Jeffersons either. Really? Yeah. New Heart? New Heart? No. That's pretty old. I remember what I remember about New Heart is there were like these three guys that hung out and I can't remember what the guy's name. He's like, This is my brother Daryl. 
And this is my other brother, Daryl. Okay. Yeah. One day at a time. That's the Valerie Bertinelli one. I never got into that show, like reruns or anything. And then Knott's Landing, I think, is another soap. <laughs> so some of the shows that... So there's a few notable finales and notable premieres that I wanted to bring up that weren't necessarily like in the top Nielsen rate ratings. So Square Pegs. I never saw that, but that was Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, was that right? Yeah, that was one of her early roles. Laverne and Shirley, Archie Bunker's Place, Taxi, and Chicks. I liked Taxi as a kid. I don't know why. Like, I, I liked the opening scene especially. Yeah, I too. think partially too, because I, I liked Back to the Back to the Future movies as a kid. Oh, and, and Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd was in Taxi. And his character was just so out to lunch too, funny. And I also liked Danny mm-hmm. DeVito. He was in a lot of films and he was in Taxi. So, uh, yeah, I enjoyed that show. Tony Danza. Oh, yes, of course. Right. Yeah, because I used to like Who's the Boss as well. Mm-hmm. And he was yeah, in the- Who's the Boss was great. Yeah. Did you ever watch? So there's two notable premieres, Mama's Family and Webster. You familiar- Webster, that Emmanuel Lewis, he was the little kid, like adopted by like a white family. No, I never saw that. I don't remember where they were. I remember they had a dumbwaiter in their house and Webster would get in it. And I don't know. That's that's like what I remember watching about Webster. And I loved Mama's Family. There were reruns of this. It must have been like on Saturday or Sunday mornings because I remember watching it as a kid, like in the summertime. Yes, of course, summertime TV where you're desperate to watch anything. Yeah. It was funny. I would still watch. It's quite good. I like it. But it's so 80s, early 80s, right. in fact. Yeah. Did you, were you a like Saturday morning cartoon kid? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's funny too, because like we had cable off and on when I was growing up. So I had cable a little bit as a kid. And then we moved out like outside of the city where they didn't offer cable. So we're not, we didn't, we couldn't afford to get one of those huge satellite dishes that, mm-hmm. you know, the ones with a concrete foundation in your backyard. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I had what we call it peasant view here, which is like your three channels. Uh, I've never heard that. Yeah, that's everyone here calls that. Well, here, everyone here back in the day used to call that peasant view. Mm-hmm. You'd have like three or four channels that just came in through the air and you'd have your antenna on your TV. So, I had that for probably the majority of my childhood. So, I don't know. Like, there was limited, like, you, they're basically just be sitting like cartoons on Saturday morning, I think. May- yeah. Either cartoons or the news, right? And so. So you were going to go with the yes, cartoons? Yes, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> of the two. When, yeah. Did you. I have these fond memories of eating a bowl of cereal in front of the TV. Oh, yeah. Watching cartoons. You, what cereal did you eat? Okay. Um, my parents never bought sugared cereal unless it was like Christmas or your birthday. Oh, wow. And I don't like it eat now to this day. I can eat it, but I find it way too much sugar. So like, yeah, it is. Yeah. Cheerios, like normal Cheerios, not like frosted Cheerios, shredded wheat, shreddies, Rice Krispies, cornflakes, like just like your basic cereals. Oh my gosh. I'm so American because even with, I did eat the sugar cereal, love it, still do, but Rice Krispies, for example, we would have, we would always have Rice Krispies, but I would literally put sugar oh, on it. Yeah. Yeah. I would too. Especially if my parents weren't around, you just dump 
shit ton of sugar <laughs> on your Rice Krispies. And then your milk tasted like absurdly sweet at the end. Yep. Yeah. So in 83, the cartoon lineup, we have Charlie Brown and the Snoopy Show, the new Scooby and Scrappy Show. Yeah. I know a lot of people hate on Scrappy-Doo, but I didn't mind him. Yeah, it's all right. Shirt Tales, which I loved, the Smurfs, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Bugs Bunny, and the Roadrunner Show. Those were kind of the big ones. And then I don't think it was on Saturday mornings. I'm not sure when it originally aired. I remember watching this show like after school, Inspector Gadget. Oh, shit. It premiered in 83. Yeah, Inspector Gadget was like a treat. Like I could never, I never seemed to catch it. But if I did, I was always like super happy when it came on. Um, yeah, Bugs Bunny. And then there was this Canadian one called like the raccoons or something like that. And the villain oh, was yes. like Cyril Sneer. I heard, I've heard about this, yeah. but we didn't have it. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of liked that. I don't think it was that good, but that was on a lot. I feel like there were other cartoons as well in the nineties. I think the nineties is better for, okay. He-Man and She-Ra oh, yeah. were big. Oh, yeah. uh, okay. And then if in the 80s, if you're a kid, especially a boy, Ninja Turtles was everything. So Absolutely. that was my go-to cartoon for sure. There's, I feel, if I had more time to think about this, I could name more. But I feel like the early 90s had a ton of great cartoons. Yeah, they did. Yeah, I think that in the 90s is, I think early 90s is better than the 80s for cartoons. I'm just going to, late 80s, early 90s, but it sounds like the cartoons, mm. early 80s. I don't think so. Well, I, yeah, I'm going to say mid 80s into the early 90s was probably like yeah. peak. Yeah, okay, I agree. Yeah. I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. 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 I always like Bugs in Bunny, though, in Roadrunner. I always yeah. enjoyed probably my best old school cartoon I'd watch. I also liked Tom and Jerry a lot. Again, I think a lot of these were on after school. I must have caught them, before, like coming home from school with a snack. Did you? I know, no, it's not a cartoon, but did you ever watch Degrassi Junior High? Yes. You know what? Because it's Canadian. It's, it's in Toronto. We actually watched it in school. Yeah, because they, the show was actually really edgy. Like it would yeah. talk about all these issues and stuff. You would talk about abuse alcohol is um teen pregnancy because the character spike yeah. got pregnant um, yes oh my god you remembered her name yeah oh i'm actually watching that with my daughter right now like it's on i think it's on prime or something does she like it she uh, you know what she loves judging uh, people's clothes and hairstyles and making fun of. oh it. she's right she's my girl <laughs> yeah. yeah no you, you two would actually get along really well she'd like you yeah, and then they had like abortion and in the yeah. high school. High school was like late eighties, early nineties. Like one of the characters got AIDS. Uh, people oh. were smoking pot. Like it was just like one thing after another. Uh, I I lived off Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi High after school as a kid. Yeah, I remember that. I guess that was like the the ultimate like after school special. But it was a series. I find it funny now, though, because they all have these Ontario accents. And that's sort of like the uh, stereotypical Canadian, like, a boot and stuff like that. And I hear that oh, in their accents. Oh, they do. Like, oh, what's that, a boot? Yes, they do. They do. Oh, so that's the, that's Ontario? Yeah, yeah. Like, that show, yeah, that accent's from Ontario. That show is filmed in Toronto. It's like a suburb of Toronto called Etobicoke. And so... 
it's funny that school looks like my daughter's school. Like they were built around the same time. And I think they just built them all the same. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Cookie cutter. Some of the midday programming, American Bandstand, yeah. Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. I love Fat Albert as a kid. Yeah. American Gladiator. I love show that oh, was the best. Yeah. I feel like that might have been, when did that, Is I that feel 90s? like that was like late 80s, early yeah. 90s maybe. Okay. So a little bit past our time yeah. period here. And I hadn't, I'd never heard of this Thundar the Barbarian. Have you heard of that? No, I Well, listeners, if you watch this, please let me know. Honestly, for this segment of the show, I feel like Ryan would have been a much better guest because he's 10 years older than me, so he he would remember everything from this time period. I know. He was on the Big Trouble in Little China episode, which was 86. Right. So, yeah, I know when I was going through this, I'm like, crap, Kyle wasn't even born yet, probably, but... Did you watch wrestling as a kid? Yeah. Yeah, I liked wrestling. Not like Ryan likes wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like, he knows everything about it. But, yeah, I liked wrestling. Like, Hulk Hogan and Jake the Snake. And uh, there's this Japanese guy, Yokozuna, who was like a sumo mm-hmm. type of guy. There's even two Canadian characters. They're like, they look like Mounties, and they had these Quebec accents when they spoke. Really? Yeah, like, they sounded like this when they spoke, you know? <laughs> like that French-Canadian well, accent. <laughs> I don't remember them. Yeah, there was this like showdown they had. It was like the All-America team against the Foreign Fanatics. And in the Foreign Fanatics, there's like Lex Luthor and Yokozuna and these two Canadian guys and like a couple other characters. And I, Why was Lex foreign? I mean, was it Lex Luthor? Maybe it was some other. It was like this German guy. Maybe mm, I'm okay. confused. But yeah, I, of course, wanted the Foreign team to win, but they didn't. You can't have that. America's got to win. Like, wrestling is big in like Western Canada. A lot of those guys, like Bret Hart is from Canada and like a few of those other guys oh. are as well. Okay. That makes sense. Like there's a thing, there was a thing here called Stampede Wrestling that was kind of similar. They, they went on in the 70s and yeah, WWF would always come through Canada. Like I'm sure Ryan has been to a lot of them. I've never been to one. Yeah, same. But I watched it with my grandpa on TV. The most redneck thing I've ever been to is a monster truck rally. And also, <laughs> my dad to used to take either. me to these things called demolition derbies, where how is that different from a monster truck rally? Well, usually there isn't a monster truck there, but it's just people in these cars smashing into each other. Oh, where like the monster truck rally has that, but then also these monster trucks come in and crush the cars and do jumps and stuff like that. Like a demolition derby is like a poor man's version of a monster truck rally. Got it. Never did not. Well, I'm a girl, but no, we didn't. We didn't do that. Too good for I yeah. You just have (laughs) sisters, yeah? Would you have any brothers? Yeah, yeah. It's all. It's yeah. We're a family of. There's three girls, so that would not have been up our alley at all. So let's move on to the music top 10 billboards from this week, March 25th, 1983. I guarantee you know a lot of these. The number one song was Billie Jean. Oh, of course. I thought for sure it's going to be something Michael Jackson related. Yep, yep. Then Culture Club's Do You Really Want to Hurt Me oh, is number two. Yeah. Classic. Th- that's in a lot of song or uh, movies, I think. Too. Even like that was a big one in The Wedding Singer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The 80s theme movie. And 
That was probably one of my first real exposures to that song. That movie came out in like the 90s when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure I'd heard it on the radio or whatever. Mm -hmm. Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran is the number three song. I'm sure you know that one on the radio. Okay, I'm really bad at song names. Yeah. If you hum the tune, I'll be like, yeah, I recognize that song. Yeah. Hungry. I'm not. No, no, no. I'm not going to do it. Hungry Like the Wolf. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lionel Richie, I'm not a fan of his, so, but he had the number four song. It's called You Are, so I can't picture it because I don't, I never really listened to Lionel Richie. Uh, but the number five song is Back on the Chain Gang by The Pretenders. I can picture that song. Yeah. Kenny Rogers and Sheena Easton, We've Got Tonight, nice. is number six. Yeah. We've Got Tonight. Roboto oh, by Sticks. Yes. It's number seven. Journey. Of course, there has to be a Journey song in here. Number eight, Separate Ways. Worlds Apart, in parentheses, Worlds Apart. I, I was hoping you were say Don't Stop Believing. I don't know when in that. No, it's exactly. not that one, but this one's better, I think. Okay. Only because that the one you referenced is just so overplayed. Yeah, yeah true. Think it's a it. victim of its own dominance. Yes. That's Good way of putting I, it. I ripped that off from Rocky uh, Balboa. They said that about Mason Dixon, that he's a victim of his own Oh, dominance. really? Yeah. <laughs> I should have known that. See, that's not in the quizzes we do, though. See, you're like ahead well, on the Well, we Rocky... haven't gotten to that one I yet. know, but it's like stuff like that that you don't happen yeah. to know is never in the quizzes. <laughs> the super random trivia. Exactly, yeah. Number nine is One on One by Hall and & Oates. And number 10 is Twilight Zone by Golden Earring. Ah, so yes, Golden Earring. I never, specifically, someone asked me once, could you think of another song Golden Earring has done other than Radar Love? No. And I got that, that's I one. <laughs> yeah. And then my mom was, and she was like, top 10. she listed like six or seven of them. She's like, I bought that album. It was really good. Oh, because well, my mom was like an adult at this time, right? So yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But I didn't know, like, I wouldn't have been able to name another one. Yes, and I wouldn't have even been able to name Radar Love. I mean, I've heard of Golden Earring, but no, you don't know little... Radar Love. I do, oh, okay. but I wouldn't have been able to just like, oh, I pull see. it yeah. from air. Yeah, they're a Dutch yeah. band. Oh, it's funny how like, a lot of foreigners when they sing don't sound foreign. You know what I mean? If they're singing in English, yeah. What's that about? I don't know. Like How British people, like do you know why? Coldplay is an exception to that. Chris Martin, he sounds British when he sings, but like Adele mm -hmm. and a lot of other people, they seem to lose the accent when they're singing. Like the Rolling Stones. Yeah, There's so many British bands. Yeah. yeah, and these Dutch people, I would never have guessed they were Dutch. Like when he sings in English, he doesn't have an accent at all. This is a phenomenon I've often wondered about as well, and I'll bet somebody knows why that is. And if you do, please let me know. Yeah, I think, okay, this is my unqualified opinion here, but I think when you're singing, your mouth can't the same shape and your, like, positioning of your tongue is different. And so it's mm -hmm. like a lot of the, the motions you'd have to make to have that accent can't do. That's my guess, but I don't really know. 
I like it. I think that tracks. We'll go with that for now. There's, we're short on news and events that I thought people might be interested in before we get into the movie. This was surprising to me. Compact discs, CDs, were introduced by Philips and Sony. 1983. You know what's funny? In the movie The Wedding Singer, which is supposed to be around this time, the rich asshole guy who Drew Barrymore is set to marry, he brought home this CD player. He's like, this costs like 600 bucks, which is like, God knows how much it is now, but I'd probably like 1500 bucks. But he's like, the yeah. sound quality is outstanding. And then Drew Barrymore is like, oh, we should play some records on that. And he's like, no, you play CDs. It's a CD player. <laughs> But you remember, this would be for me late night, see mid to late 90s, you'd have a Discman playing your oh, CD, yeah. and that yep. thing would skip if you looked at it wrong. Yeah. Well, it was one of the newer versions, like that was a big feature, is it was, it had some sort of balancing mechanism that it wasn't supposed to. Yeah, and to. it was managed, it was, uh, sorry, measured in seconds. Like my CD player had what's called like a three second skip, and then... The longer it was, the more you could shake it around. And my friends are getting like five or 10 second skips because they had newer versions. So basically, if you shook it where it would cause a delay of less than three seconds, you wouldn't hear it. Like you would keep playing. Got it. Okay. But yeah, now yeah, I think not that anyone uses discs. So I think the latest, latest <laughs> versions of them, you can like smack on the table and they wouldn't skip. But and we had those giant, like, stereo systems, yes. too, like, that took up, yeah. You'd have that in your room, I, like, it'd make your room look cool, because oh, yeah. you had a giant stereo Oh, system. totally, I can totally picture mine, and there was a remote and everything. And, like, the nice houses would have, like, that in their living room behind, like, a shelf with glass, <laughs> glass cabinet doors, and mm -hmm. they'd have a thing mm -hmm. with all the cassettes or CDs, like, neatly there and stuff. And if you had a shitty... We didn't ever have one, like, in our living room. It was, like, in my room, well, we had one in our... Yeah, yeah, but, like, yeah. some families would have, like, they're, they're always, like, look, like, metallic in color. Like, they look, yeah. look like a stainless steel or something, almost. And they were huge, and they had, like, a bajillion knobs on it, which I don't know what they're supposed to do. And mm -hmm. that would be, like, the family sound system, which would be the really nice one. And then you'd have your almost boombox-looking sound system in your room. Ooh, the boombox. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys have a family sound system? No, I'm talking about like nice houses. Oh. <laughs> I was like, we didn't. Yeah, I know. I noticed uh, that. Okay, so I grew up, I didn't grow up like super poor, but like I grew up in a solidly middle or upper middle class town, but I was not mm -hmm. middle class. You know what I mean? So it's like I was never in poverty or anything, but like all my friends had more money than me. So, like, when Got I go it. to their house, I, like, notice all this stuff for them. <laughs> then you come home and beg your parents for it, and they're like, dang that, it. It reminds me of this Dave Chappelle skit where he's like, I grew up, he's like, I didn't grow up in the ghetto. He's like, I grew up just nice enough to be poor around white people. <laughs> and he's like, come back from their house and be like, Mom, Dad, you really got to up your game. <laughs> I've heard that, and I feel like I've heard all of Dave Chappelle's stuff. But yeah, I guess considering they came out in 1983, I feel like I didn't start getting CDs until like the late Yeah, 90s. no, because I think it was like, like you and the wedding singer, you mentioned that CD player was like 600 bucks, right? And it's mm -hmm. like, no one is going to spend that unless you're really rich. And so I think like people just preferred to have cassettes. 
Plus, like, you had the Walkman, too, right? So it's like, if you wanted to play your... Like, you probably wouldn't have got a Discman in 83. So, like, your CD would be limited to just your home. Mm-hmm. Where if you had a cassette, yeah. you could play it at home, but also bring it with you with your Walkman, which would be great. Yeah. And then it didn't... Also the car. Or the car, yeah. So, like, I, I think it took time for the CD to actually get integrated into yeah the main music mix. Because... Yeah, even as a little kid, I was buying cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can picture my Walkman. It was maroon. And I played the soundtrack of Cocktail on nice. it over and I feel like that was like, I had like two tapes. <laughs> yes, of course. somehow, Cocktail was one of them. Yeah, because you go through your parents' tape and it's just a bunch of shit that you wouldn't listen to anyways. <laughs> also, IBM releases PS-DOS version two nice. that was probably super high tech 1983 yeah. uh big shocker both the u.s and ussr perform nuclear tests oh yeah umberto the second of italy who was the last king of italy he reigned for 24 days is all in 1946 he dies in exile at age 78 in of nine uh, of 1983 i was not aware that person existed yeah same well he only reigned for 24 days but i was like oh that was the last king of italy 1946 yeah i was you know i actually am fairly well studied in like world war ii and stuff but that's actually one thing i never looked into or considered was like the italian monarchy because in my mind like when mussolini was running the show there it was just him mm-hmm. in power, and maybe there was a king there as a figurehead. She don't know at all. Same. Maybe they reinstated a king once he was gone, and then people didn't like it. I don't know. I should. I gotta read well, up. Well, he on dies that. in exile, so something must have happened. Yeah, like maybe he, if he was like a, it makes sense to me if he was a figurehead or something when Mussolini was around, or maybe his family members were or something, and no one would like him. So mm-hmm. that's kind of like the German Kaiser from World War One lived in exile in the Netherlands after the war. Mm-hmm. And he survived, like, until World War II. Like, he died partly through World War II. Yeah, I feel like we didn't learn a lot about Italy yeah. in history class. Yeah, when you, yeah, it's like World War II, it's always like Germany, Japan. You never really yeah, care yeah, about Italy. Yeah. They're kind of a sideshow. Mm-hmm. Sideshow. Um, and then the last little bit is Harrison Ford married the screenwriter Melissa Matheson. And they divorced in 2004. And I think he's been with, I don't know if they're married. Yeah, but Calista Flocker. Calista, yeah, are they married or have they just been together forever? I don't know. But yeah, they're as good as married. I don't know if they're officially married, yeah. but they might as well be. So I have a few questions for you, Kyle, before we get into The Outsiders. Sure. So my first season of Retromade is built around who I deem the ultimate everyman. Kurt Russell and Patrick Swayze. Sure. Do you have any particular thoughts or fandom about either of them? I'm not a huge fan. Okay. I'd say I'd probably prefer Kurt Russell, um, like Escape from New York or from LA or Mm -hmm. those kind of films that were cool. Patrick Swayze doing pottery as a ghost type of thing never really, never really did it for me. Didn't trip your trigger. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I never really, honestly, I never really grew up watching either of them that much. Like, they're both kind of peripheral characters for me. 
That's fair. That's fair. Um, well, this will be interesting then. Do you think that they look at all? Yeah. Like they, if you told me they were cousins or something like that, I'd be like, well, that makes sense. Love it. Okay. I'm starting to get more people because I very much think they look alike. I never thought about and it really. A lot of my, yeah, I know. But if they're side by side, like in the mid 80s or late 80s, and they're around the same age, I think Kurt's like a year or two older. Yeah. I think they look very similar. And I wish they would have played cousins or brothers or something. Uh, but they didn't. And then we lost Patrick. But I'm glad to hear you say that because I feel like a lot of people that I've had on, mostly the men, have, don't really see it. I get in arguments <laughs> like this all the time, especially with my wife. Like her and I's criteria for who looks alike and who doesn't is pretty different. So it's, okay. yeah, I've gotten many a fight about like if someone looks like someone else. Even like you say, if you see a movie character or a TV character and they remind you of someone you know in real life, you'll say to the yeah. person beside you, hey, doesn't this person look like so-and-so? And, you know, sometimes someone will be like, no, not at all. And you're like, are you insane? Do you not yeah. see it? <laughs> yes, that's how I am with this whole thing. I'm like, how do people not see it? Yeah. All right. Shall we get into the movie The Outsiders? So I want to show Dog Lou in his, he got his hair cut, so he's looking good. Hold him up a little higher. Oh, hi, Lou. Oh, my God. He's I love boy. him. I want to put him in my purse and take him home. <laughs> he's ours. We love this guy. He's nine years oh old. Oh, my God. He's so cute. He's, he's When his hair grows out, they think he looks like an Ewok from Star Wars. Yeah, he's got the same coloring, too. Boy, Lou. He's like on the couch. He I had, is a good I had to coach him to come off the or coax him to come off the couch. And he really didn't feel like it. Then, well, with him, you can just pick him up. That's the thing that sucks about having big dogs. I can't pick them up. Yeah. Yeah. He's super cuddly. Like, he's probably 10, 12 pounds. And I love that. He's really, he's a, he's part Shih Tzu. So he's like really good with kids and he's a good lap dog. He's a good snuggle dog. Like, if I go down for a nap or something, he's like excited. He's like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> That's my kind of dog. I love that so oh, much. Oh, Shih Tzus are fucking uh, lazy dogs, which is great because they don't demand a lot of you, but they still like to go off the yeah. walks and do stuff. Sure. But it's not like if you have a border collie that's like super smart and energetic and stuff. Like that's a lot. I grew up with a, a dog that was like half border collie, half German shepherd. So he was oh, smart as fuck and he needed a ton of exercise. And he was a good dog, yeah. but you know, like. He had a rough time and we left him do. at home, you know, during the work day. Yeah. Yeah. I They're beautiful. I can't do super intelligent. I like a dumb dog. Yes. I'll be perfectly honest. I like a dumb dog and I like a lazier dog. Yeah. Intelligent dogs get into trouble a lot. Yeah, they do. And like mm -hmm. they circumvent things you do to stop. Like you don't want them to do something. They'll figure out a way around it. Yeah. I'm I have bloodhounds right now and they're not like. They're not like a border collie, but they're extremely stubborn and inquisitive and uh, independent. So I will catch Rambo like side eyeing, like out of the side of his eye. Like, is she watching me? I, like, yeah. Do, yeah. Because he'll he knows what he's not supposed to do, but he'll do it anyway. Oh, for anyway. sure. Yeah. And they know when they get caught and you yell at them, and they mm -hmm. kind of look away like this. But it never... He never learns his lesson. He'll continue to do it over and over. Oh, and over for sure. Again. Like for them, it's like a cause benefit analysis. So it's like, and I can see it in his head. He's yeah. 
Uh, he's naughty, but I love him. Yeah, that. Yeah, you love uh, him no matter what. Like to me, they're just like kids. You know, they're gonna get in trouble. Yeah, can't have nice things. No. We were just about to start our discussion about the actual movie. Uh, so, The Outsiders was released on March 25th, 1983. It was rated PG, and its IMDb rating is a seven point, like exactly. Can I stopped you in the rating there because I rented, I had to yeah. rent this movie this morning because I couldn't get it on any of the streaming services. Oh, it's on Max. Oh, yeah. Do you not have? Okay, they have what's in Canada called Crave, and that has all the HBO stuff on it. Oh, okay. But I, I tried to search that one and it didn't seem to. Maybe I forgot to search it. Whatever. It was rated for some reason like 18A when the movie first came up. I thought that was odd. Like you're rating a PG or whatever. Like that seems to make more sense. Well, that's according to IMDb. Yeah. Rating, and usually yeah. ratings in Canada are more liberal. For example, a lot of stuff that's rated R in America is not rated R here. Oh. Okay, yeah. So, like, I was real surprised. Like, you have to have... Like, say Saving Private Ryan to be rated R here, because it's, like, brutal violence. But if you mm -hmm. see some chick's boobs, that doesn't make it rated R type of thing. Yeah. Which you don't see Interesting. in... Interesting. anyway. No, I wonder if it's just, like, heaviness overall. Like... Yeah. I'm... I can't explain that. I'll yeah. just pretend that didn't happen. That rating. Yeah. <laughs> Well, our director, we touched upon him a little bit earlier, but the acclaimed Francis Ford Coppola, who is actually, for those who might not be aware, the brother of our Adrian. Is that right? So we, Rocky's Adrian. Yeah, Alia Shire yeah. and Francis Ford Coppola are siblings. You know, I never knew that. You didn't know no, that? I'm sure Ryan did. Yeah, because she's, um, she's in Godfather as Connie. She, she's not a bad actor by any means. It does help to know people as well. Certainly. I mean, in this movie was, um, I'll touch on it in a little bit, quite the family affair, actually, because, let's see, the, the music was done by Carmine Coppola, who is their father. Father Carmine. Indeed. And then Giancarlo, which I freaking love that name so much. It's like one of my favorite names. He was Francis's son. And he was an associate producer on this movie. But he actually died in 1986 at the age of 23 um, in a boat cable accident. We'll talk about, like, in some of the casting, like, another family member was tried to get in this movie. Didn't make it. They can't all make it. So we will they cannot. So the writers here, we have, obviously, the author of the book, S.E. Hinton. She was one of the writers on this movie. She also wrote Rumblefish. Um, and then the other writer is Kathleen Rowell. And people might know her from Hear No Evil and The Joy of Sex. People like sex. I guess. What? Yeah. Who do, I who thought it was just it? an obligation to make baby. Yeah, that's right. Mm, that's, weird. That's what it should yes. be. <laughs> <laughs> now, as I touched on when I introduced this episode, this cast is out of this world it, it was really perfectly timed because it's like these guys names it's not like they were unknowns necessarily at the time but it's like you couldn't have had all those guys in a movie notwithstanding age you couldn't have all that mm -hmm. that cast 10 years later 
with that, with a budget no, like that. because they were all up and uh, Yeah, right. like it was just, they swooped all these awesome up-and-coming guys up at the same time and got them in the same room. That's pretty rare. It's super rare. And it, I mean, they literally all went on to have pretty incredible careers. So we have C. Thomas Howell yeah. plays Ponyboy Curtis. Matt Dillon plays Dallas. Ralph Macchio plays Johnny. And our everyman, Patrick Swayze, plays Daryl Curtis. Rob Lowe, this, he plays Soda Pop Curtis. Couple things. So Rob Lowe, this was his film debut? Yeah. Did you know that? I didn't know it was his debut, but he obviously was very young. He was friends with the Sheens, like prior. Yes. Yeah. He was part of the Brat Pack. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's a lot of like interwoven, a lot of this cast, they go on to be in other things together. So. Who played Pony Boy? That's the only one I couldn't picture in other films. Yeah, he same like I. But have you seen Red Dawn? Oh God, long ago, like well over twenty five years ago. Year. I just covered okay. it for the for the show because um, Patrick. So C. Thomas Powell and Patrick Swayze are both in that. I have to watch that along with so there's actually four people in both movies. Wow, that reminds me almost of like how Scorsese often has the same people in the in these movies mm -hmm. over and over again. Yeah. All right. So William Smith, Darren Dalton, he plays Randy in this. He's one of the socias, as is William Smith. So Darren, William Smith, C. Thomas Howell, and Patrick Swayze all teamed up again the year in 84, in Red Dawn, with Emilio's brother, Charlie Sheen. Yes. See how that's all related? Yeah. I think there's a benefit to doing that, too, because it's like people, like when you have people that know each other, it's assuming they get along, or even if they don't, but if they're professional enough that they can still work together anyways, like they know each other, they can have good chemistry, you know, they know how to work together, and I think mm -hmm. that's a big advantage. Agreed. It's like just... It's I forget that this is a job for them. It's sort of like us and our jobs. You kind of like work, you get to know certain people you like to work with. Um, but yeah, so Rob Lowe, I'm curious if you've seen. So he goes on, I think in 86. Have you seen Youngblood? It's a hockey movie. Happened. Oh my God, Kyle, it's so you good. Know, I have my notepad here. I'm going to make a note of this here. Write it down. It's a hockey movie. And so Rob Lowe stars in it and Patrick Swayze's in that. So they are in that together also. And then Rob Lowe also goes on to star with Emilio Estevez in St. Almost Fire. Also never You've seen, seen that, right? Whole... You gotta see it. I'm really coming off as a kind of a rube here, I think. No, 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 no. It's also got quite the cast. Okay. Like all like big names from the 80s. First Rob Lowe, first uh, time I can remember seeing Rob Lowe in a movie was Wayne's World. What? Yeah. He was a heartthrob in the 80s. Like so good yeah, looking. Probably a lot of these movies in the 80s didn't interest me when I was a mm -hmm. young kid. Like I really liked Wayne's World. Yeah. Like, I liked that SNL kind of comedy. It, yeah. Rob Lowe was a really great villain in the Wayne's World movie. That was sort of his comeback. I feel like that was kind of his comeback because he had like, like a sex tape scandal. Well, yeah, he like and had sex so with a teenager of... or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So he kind of went away from our 
eyes for a bit, but in the 80s, like he's so pretty. Maybe I was drawn to him. Oh, he's, he's ridiculously like, good looking guy. He's super good looking. It's not, it almost hurts <laughs> to look. I mean, he's, way he's very too charismatic too. Like he seems mm-hmm. like a very nice person. I don't know if he's an asshole or not, but like he comes across as a really I've heard nice him on person. podcasts. He has a couple podcasts and he was also in Parks and Rec. Yeah. Did you watch oh, that yeah. show? Yeah. yeah, for sure. So, yeah, he can, that guy could slay for sure. If you know yeah. what I mean. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he plays Soda Pop. Okay. So I'm, I gotta say, when I rewatched this, I, it took me a minute. There's so many characters and their names are kind of similar that it, I find it a little hard to keep everybody straight. Like yeah, same here. Pony Boy and Soda Pop and Dairy and Dally. And, I was worried you know. about that when I was watching it this morning because I haven't actually seen that movie since the late 90s. Okay. Right? So I'm like, yeah, probably same. I'm like, shit, I gotta watch this again or else I'm not gonna really know what I'm talking about in the podcast. And I had the cast list up on my phone and I was really trying to get an inventory of what all the characters' names are on before I came on today. So I'm like, you know that it's guy, hard. you know, with the leather jacket, he wears jeans, and his hair is greased. <laughs> One of six of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They get lots of fight. Uh, you know that guy. They, he smokes. Oh, my God. Yeah, this, there's a lot of smoking in this. But let's see. Emilio Estevez plays 2-Bit. Yeah, 2-Bit. Like, the names are just Okay, crazy. I gotta tell you this, though. I knew this woman. She married a guy from Canada, and he took her up here, but he... She's from, like, Appalachia, Kentucky. Okay. And she was telling me, like, her mom was, like, a special ed teacher. And she was saying it was, like, kind of normal for these kids to have, like, really weird names. Like, named after, like, cocktails. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I, this was set in Oklahoma. Exactly. Exactly. I actually have family in Oklahoma, too. I have a lot of... You do? Yeah, I have a, like, uh, I don't know if I told you this, but, like, my dad's family is basically American. Yeah. And so half his siblings are born in the U.S., so some of his siblings live there still, and one moved to Oklahoma in the 70s. So she's fully not Canadian anymore. Like, she talks like this, and she's in the... She's in the Daughters of the American Revolution, like the DAR. Is that still a thing? Yes, I guess so. <laughs> oh, because wow. our ancestors came up to Mayflower, like my dad's mom's from Maine, so they've been in New England forever. But anyway, wow. yeah, like I hear, I see your stories about Oklahoma fairly often. And I did find it kind of an odd setting for this film, to be honest. Like when you think mm. of greasers, you don't think of Oklahoma. Yeah, I agree. I had forgotten. That it was set in Oklahoma in what, what 1965? I want to. I saw like a that. license plate that said 66 at the gas station. So that's the okay. year I used for okay. it. But okay. Yeah. Yeah. That tracks. Let's see. Where were we cast wise? Tom Cruise in this as well. He plays Steve. And then the. So those are all the greasers. Yeah. Then the Soches, we have Glenn Withrow playing Tim. Diane Lane, who is absolutely stunning oh, yeah. in this. Yeah, for sure. She plays Cherry. Leif Garrett plays Bob. And as I mentioned, Darren Dalton plays Randy. Yeah, so for those of you who, like Kyle, haven't seen this in a long time, or maybe you've never seen it, 
It's an, an adaptation of the 1967 novel by S.E. Hinton. It's a coming-of-age crime drama set. It says set in 1965. You know, maybe the 66 is the expiry of the registration on the plate, Oh, maybe. Right? So maybe prior maybe. to 66. I mean, but it could also be a film club because it wasn't filmed until the 80s. So... But it's like, you know, usually you get a sticker that goes to the next year. So actually having 66 yeah. in there does make sense. Okay. Um, yeah. Although this wouldn't so have been stickers in... back then. You used to get a new plate every time back in the day. Oh, yeah. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. That's nuts. <laughs> Coming of age crime drama set in 1965, Tulsa, Oklahoma. The rivalry between two gangs, the poor greasers and the rich soches only heats up when one gang member kills a member of the other, it made almost $34 million on a $10 million budget. That's a pretty low budget, actually. Yeah. Now, our favorite film, Rocky, which was made before Outsiders, so there's inflation to take into account, had a million-dollar budget. So that's a much more extreme example. Yes. It was like an indie movie, though. Yeah, true. We'll right? say it's the equivalent yeah. of, say, one and a half million by 1983. Take into account mm-hmm. inflation. Or yeah. So, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think 10 still, for the cast you got, they really got the bang for their buck. Indeed. Huge bang. And yeah, Coppola is, I mean, at this time, like, he's a huge name because the God, he had done both of the Godfathers. Do you have overall impressions of The Outsiders or favorite scenes or oh, yeah. memories watching it as a kid? Okay, so I remember more of my feelings about the movie because I watched it as a young teenager. So I would have been like a year or two younger than Pony Boy at the time. Pony Boy was 14 in the film. I don't know how old the actual actor was, but so. Yeah, he was 14. I remember I mean, thinking I, that the greasers were really cool. It's like yeah. a poor kid. I definitely identified with the greasers much more than the socias. So I thought they were just mm-hmm. the coolest. I thought the socias were just these assholes that, you know, picked fights for no reason. And, you know, they had the big rumble at the end of one. That's great. And so, but I don't remember, a t- I didn't remember a ton of the detail about the film. And so I'm watching mm-hmm. it now as an adult and just watching, first of all, I love, I'm a huge nostalgia sucker. Even like nostalgia for a time that I wasn't, if I'm not around in it, especially. So I love the 60s. I'm not a big fan of the 50s, but like the 60s and 70s are very interesting to me. And so something set in the 60s catches my eye, like the cars or like they go to the old looking Dairy Queen or just the clothes or the drive-in movie. Drive-in. I loved the drive-in as a kid. It reminded me, it was just like the drive-in I went to as a kid, basically. So stuff like that, that I had a very good impression of the film just that way. I thought it was produced fairly well, especially for the 80s. But what surprised me about the movie that uh, I didn't take as a kid is just how I didn't like most of the characters. Like, even the greasers. There's, like, a lot of them. Dallas, the Dallas character, I really didn't like watching it right now okay but i think me yeah, as a yeah. teenager He's thought he'd be really cool but i'm like holy well, cow is this guy ever an asshole or just the way people were always fighting and doing stupid stuff He's like this rowdy horseplay i was just like i found it a little over the top 
the character bit and specifically Dallas. So he is super obnoxious. It's like him and let's see who's the other one. Two bits a bit. Two bit are being really obnoxious yeah. at the drive-in to the girls and they're all drunk and obnoxious and like the way that they're acting towards the girls, like as a woman, I'm like, oh my God, I would have been so uncomfortable. So I hear what you're saying, but I do think as a character study, he, so they all have like a total shit home life, all the greasy yeah, kids. Yeah, of course, of course. And he had apparently been to jail before because he says it makes you meaner. So I wonder if like. Yeah, maybe yeah, something happened that's... to him in there because he's a tough guy mm -hmm. on the street with these yeah. 15 year olds. But, you know, if he's in, if he's in jail with men. He's probably on the bottom of the totem pole. And you know what that might mean, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Also, it's interesting. They don't talk about this a lot, but he's a transplant from New York because oh, he has the New York accent. And then he's like, I thought like when Pony Boy and Johnny, after the murder incident, come to that bar or wherever it is for Dallas's mm -hmm. help, Dallas, he's quite gracious and helps them out and he says i thought it'd be in new york i'd get caught in a murder rap like he never thought it would happen to oh. me here right and he's yeah. the only one because everyone else kind of speaks with a bit of an oklahoma accent although albeit not that yep. convincingly like the people right, like right, my right. family from oklahoma doesn't speaks more with more twang and they're from like oklahoma city which is bigger than and so like but he's like the johnny has this really over the top new york accent you know yeah, he does. Oh, that particular scene, actually. Um, so I'm very curious what he does, what Dallas, a.k.a. Dally, he's referred to as both. And I always confuse that with Derry. Yeah, so Dally. I said Johnny like, and Dallas earlier, yeah. yeah. What he does for a living? Like, how do they get money? Yeah, because he gave them 50 bucks. Which I, it's about every, it's nice with inflation. It's basically 10 to 1. When I looked at, 500 bucks, yeah. So yeah. he gave them like. And he had it in cap with him. Yeah. Uh, which seems a little bit outrageous. I'm guessing he, he does crime for a living. He sells drugs mm -hmm. or he steals or, you know what I mean? He doesn't seem like a day yeah. job kind of guy. Where yeah, um, that's true. Patrick Swayze and the other guy, I think Tom Cruise's character, they work at like the gas station or something, right? So, like they. Well, Rob Lowe and Tom Cruise. So let's see, that would be soda pop yeah. and steve yeah they work at the okay, gas station yeah, patrick Derry, i think he's like a roofer or something okay. he's like a oh that's why they do job. say it's construction job. yeah uh, they, they did something, say that because yeah. he when pony boy was talking with the two girls he talked about how he's big and does construction yeah so he you're right i think it is his job is crime but i just i was that's a lot of money just to have and give to these kids you know what? I think and he too sends them on their way to get out of town. When you don't have anything too, I think it's like sometimes easier to give. Is counterintuitive as that may seem. Like you just money's when you live hand to mouth, money comes, money goes. You don't have a mentality of saving for the future or stuff like that. So it's just like, and he probably feels good being the hero to some degree. Although he doesn't seem to have like he seems to be mad at the world, right? Like he. He's mean to those kids and he's mean to the women. But like you were saying before, all these guys came from broken homes. Like you see that when Johnny's trying to come home and you see the parents fighting, like their silhouette in the window. And 
all the other guys make comments like, you know, their families are like that too. And uh, the Curtis family, of course, doesn't have parents anymore. Like they're basically a family. Like they, they the, have all these other. boys, their gang. Yeah. It's kind of endearing and sweet. Cause I don't think soda pop really fits in there. Doesn't really belong. Same with Johnny. Like they're kind of in the girls notice that too, right? Like the drive in, they notice like they're yeah. not like those other guys. You see, like soda yeah. pop and I think I said soda pop earlier. I mean, uh, Johnny and Pony Boy are, don't really belong. Pony Boy. Um, they're nicer kids. Yeah, yeah. They're nicer maybe because they're younger, but. They're like younger. a bit and Dallas and Soda Pop, they all kind of seem to, you know, be of that lifestyle, like the tough guy, uh, jerk to everyone type of thing. And it's like, I wonder if Pony Boy and Johnny, they just kind of have to go along with it because what other option do you have, right? Yeah, it's their family, yeah. like you said. Yeah. I did take, like, especially. Yeah, Johnny, is it? Jo yeah, he's gone for like a week and his parents don't care like at all. They don't wonder where he's been, anything. Yeah, like his parents are probably. And the other boys don't have parents. Yeah, yeah. Well, some of them, like I think. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. Uh, two bit, is he a parent? Probably. Well, we don't know about uh, uh, Steve or two bit we don't know what their situation is we could just kind of assume yeah. that it's not great but so the curtis brothers and the oldest one i did see that patrick swayze was 29 in this movie but he's playing a 20 year old his character is 20 yeah so he's like supporting these you know like a whole family at the age of 20 yeah that's in they make it clear that if social services ever found they mm -hmm. pull the plug on that. They want to avoid going to a boy's home. But yeah, like they, they kind of have to be together. They kind of have to be a family. And so when he gives them the 500 bucks, yeah, it does kind of make sense because you're, it's not like you're helping some random guy. It is weird though. Yeah. Dallas does have a family because he talks about his dad, but he, t he, he likewise talks about how his dad doesn't care about him. Like mm -hmm. when they're at the car, the Dairy Queen, he's like, you think my old man gives a shit about where I am? Like, no. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So, I've seen a little bit of that when I grew up, like people whose parents yeah. just didn't give a shit or their, hmm. you know, their parents are like alcoholics or like whatever, like they have their own problems and they can't really cope with having kids. So kids yeah. just kind of come and go as they please. And, you know, it's just made for trouble. Survival. Yeah. Yeah. That's so sad. Yeah, but like I did find that I did really like that the boys, despite this weird, it's a so the whole movie is this major like class conflict between the greasers and the socias, and it's just like accepted as that's the way that it is. Like Cherry uh, and Pony Boy seem to be friends, but they can't be friends in public. Yes, yeah, so like she even says to him, just, like. Don't take it personally if I don't say hello to you at school. Yeah. You're right. And it's that's just the way it is. Boys like, yeah, I understand. It's like, yeah. I personally would take it personal because I know. I, I think it's just showing us that's the world where it's such a class matters so much in this world. Wait, wait, it's really a fictional world, too. And I'm not saying class doesn't exist, but it's really a, an oversimplified 
caught because you have these greasers yeah. who are destitute, essentially coming from a broken home or on the side of the track, which totally exists. And you have mm-hmm. these socials who seem incredibly wealthy. They all have nice cars that they're driving around. Super like nice Mustangs cars. and these other cars. They have really nice clothes, lots of money, expensive jewelry. Those exist too. But those are really the outliers of most societies, right? It's like Good point. The, yeah. the middle class, the middle kid, which apparently the middle class was much bigger in the 60s than it is now, doesn't seem to exist. That's a really good point. Yeah. Where are they yeah. in this scenario? Like, not, and also it's like, uh, is Tulsa like that? I don't know. But like, for instance, if you think of a city where you have really high class people butting up against low class people, I think of somewhere like Boston, where you have a lot of hoity toity old money type of people. And then not too far by, it's like you have like Southie, like kind of the goodwill hunting type yeah. of neighborhood. Yeah, see this movie taking place in a place like Boston more than a place like Tulsa. Yeah, I'm. There's less movies about it. I feel like there's more, you know, like pop culture around kind of the Northeast, like your Boston yeah. example with the class. But I think I was just trying to look. It looks like so the author of this. I feel like I read somewhere she based this on some people she knew, or she grew up in Oklahoma. Sure. See, so she. She began writing the novel when she was only 15, finished it when she was 16, and the book was published when she was 17. Wow. That's crazy. What an accomplishment to write. And it's like yeah. a book that people basically have to study in school. I don't know what now, but, you know. I did. I re- like I we read this in like sixth grade or grade six for, for Canadians. <laughs> for Canadians. Probably Europeans, too. Everywhere but uh, it's probably grade six. I don't know. They probably say something. I know in French you'd say six year. Oh, yeah. But okay. I don't know what they'd say in England. Yeah. And then I think when we were done reading the book, we got our treat for finishing the book was we got to watch the movie. Right. Wheeled in on one of those carts. Of course. With, and with the strap about. goes over the TV to make sure yeah. it doesn't fall. Yeah. 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 That was the best time in oh, school. Oh, man. When you when had a sub a that time. checked out, they're like, let's just watch a movie. Yep. That was the best. So. They're on the run just to kind of catch the audience up. So they, the two boys end up accidentally murdering one of the socials because one of the socials was drowning one of the boys. I wouldn't call it an knife. accident, but I'd say it wasn't uh, with malice. That's a better yeah. way of putting it. I don't think he meant to kill no. him. Okay. Yeah. In that sense, it was an yeah. accident. Like he, he yeah. assaulted a so, uh to defend his friend. Who yes. could have been killed? It was re- you could reasonably expect. I, I think if you're a lawyer, mm-hmm. you could if that kid had a good enough lawyer, which he wouldn't, of course. Yeah, you could get out Definitely of that not. one because yeah. they were outnumbered. So, yeah, so yeah, they so they go on the run, and there's this weird like cut their hair with a dull ass knife, yeah. color it, bleach it blonde. And they're hanging out in this church. There's a whole scene about that and then somehow they the church ends up like these kids end up in it messing around and there's a fire okay they save the is kids. It, this is the same church yeah okay yeah, yeah. Th- what the fuck is happening here with that's an abandoned church that's where they were there in the first place it made it seem like a bunch of kids went to church there and then like what are they doing in that church like why did you bring 
a group of kids the into kids this there. abandoned church. I don't know. And then it somehow sets on fire and then long enough for you not to be able to escape. I could see, to me, a more plausible story is, like when I grew up, for example, I grew up on like the edge of town at one point where they were building a bunch of new houses. And we used to play oh. in these houses under construction yeah. when the workers weren't yeah. around, right? And yep. like I could see a few kids playing in this church, lighting some matches and getting themselves in trouble, right? This is like a supervised yeah. group of kids. Yeah, I'm, I don't remember the scenario why they were there. There, there is none. Like but... they just show up and maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah. the book explains it. I haven't read the book maybe. forever, but the movie sure doesn't. Actually, that is a good point. I feel like I was reading that there's quite a bit left out of the movie, and that is the studio exec's fault, not Coppola's. Well, it, and he remedied that with his... He came out later with an extended like director's cut that brought back a lot of the cuts. That's the problem when you have an hour and a half. Yeah. Like, what do you keep? What Indeed. Do you, trying to think of scenes that maybe weren't necessary, but... Yeah, the studio definitely wanted to keep it at an hour and a half. They didn't want it to go over that. So he had to cut a lot, I guess. But um, and so it's in this time that we're kind of shown that Ponyboy is he's really intelligent. He reads, writes poems and perceptive young kid. But he doesn't feel like he can show that to his like the tough guys. I really liked uh, him Like when I watched this. I think yeah. I liked him as a kid, but I liked him a lot more as, a, as an adult now that I see him. Yeah. He seems like a nice person, like someone who'll stand up for himself, but not someone who's like a dick. Like it's Agreed. kind of a nice little middle ground. I, I actually, all of the Curtis boys, because I really liked uh, Rob Lowe's yep. character, Soda Pop, because he, he's just like a good guy. He, A, isn't in school. He's like 17 probably, and he works at the gas station instead of being in school, like to help the family make yeah. money. But he's like a nice guy, and I feel like, Ponyboy was able to show that side of him with him, like his brother, Soda Pop. And then Derry, Patrick Swayze's character, is just a really good guy. Like he's he's the overseer of all these kids, whether he wants to be or he's, not. You can tell he's he, he can't cope with the stress of raising those kids, which I don't blame him. Right? Mm -hmm. If I'm 20 in his situation, I wouldn't either. Because he's like aggressive and kind of mean to Ponyboy when he comes home at two in the morning, shoves him. He apologizes. He does. Though, doesn't yeah. he? I'm not saying he's a bad yeah. person, but I'm saying like he yeah. does. He comes across a little mixed, in you know. Mm -hmm. But I think it's understandable at the same time. Like he has reason to be. Yeah. Where Dallas, for example, perhaps his past makes him that way, but like he has a fairly carefree life in comparison with Derry. True. Very true. Now, I did take note of when we meet Dallas, Matt Dillon, he looks so good in those 80s style yeah, jeans, yeah. <laughs> or I guess 60s style, but yeah, he looked really good. Also, uh, Patrick Swayze looks uh, amazing in this movie, like the way he has his hair, he has that, he has the Southern accent. There's a scene where he takes his shirt off. To oh, change, yeah, he's like, in excellent shape. He just looks incredible. And he does that when they go to the rumble, which is ridiculous. We'll get to. Okay. Yeah. He he does a gymnastics move off of the fence. And that, that's him. I should have researched this ahead of time. But it almost seems like the greasers are in the wrong time period. Like the, the greasers to me more seems 50s, more like the more 50s. 50s. 
Uh-huh. And so to me, and it, maybe I have a misperception here, but to me, greasers like in the mid 60s in Oklahoma doesn't make a ton of sense. Like, I could see poor kids. I wonder if this was sort of them phasing out. Like, maybe this was the last. Yeah, bit like of the them. last hurrah. Maybe. It is mm-hmm. funny. Like, I remember working in like the early 2000s, like 2002, in this hardware store, and I'd sometimes see older men come in, and their hair was kind of like the greaser kind of hair. Oh, yeah. Or like so, the one yeah. guy had like all of his buttons unbuttoned except like. His shirt was tucked in, all of them unbuttoned, except for the bottom couple buttons. I was telling my dad about this when I got home. And he's like, oh, yeah, people did that in the 50s. This guy just can't get with the times. Now, the hair thing, I totally know what you're talking about. And I kind of love it. Like, I dig that all the, like, I dig, like, Patrick Swayze's hair in this movie. I love it. Like, it's, there's a name for the, what it is. And sometimes I'll see, um, like, on TV shows, like, men from that era. And I, yeah. it's kind of supposed to be ridiculous, but I can't. Yeah, I guess that's like kind of like a counterculture thing. Like, you think of 60s counterculture more as hippies and stuff like that. But yeah. 65 is really not that era, right? Like, it's still kind of, I think. Right. Because it's like if somebody wasn't around in the 60s, maybe someone could tell me, actually, no, Kyle, there were greasers around. Especially in the early 60s, maybe mid 60s. This movie took place in 69. I wouldn't believe there'd be greasers around. That's a good point. It's like an in between. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, the early 80s often resembled the late 70s, right? Like just because you yeah. switch from yep. the 70s to the 80s, it doesn't mean everything changes right away. Good point. But, you know, yeah, yeah I guess it's, that's their, their version of counterculture at this time. Really good point. So, what did you think of the rumble? Okay, as a teenager, I'll tell you what I thought as a teenager and now. As a teenager, I thought that was the coolest fucking thing ever. And we did stuff like that as kids. Not to the same extent. But, like, I remember being as a kid, or it's like, oh, we're going to have a fight, our group against their group, or we're going to meet in this area. Yes, I. It, no one got fucked up bad, right? Because we were all just little kids. But, yeah, like, I identified with that for sure. And I thought, like, that was just cool. You had it out like this big battle scene. Now I look at it. I just, I look at the whole greasers and socias harassing each other like that, and it's just... I don't know, maybe it's my age now, but it's just utter stupidity. It is just so, so absurd. And I don't know, like, I feel like in reality, you might have greasers and socias at school fucking around with each other, but like, I'm guessing they wouldn't even interact with each other that much. They'd be on different sides of town. It would be more like greasers fighting other greasers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I totally know what you mean. And, so it's like you have these greasers that are there and then you have all these cars pull up. That's what made an impression to me when I was a teenager is that the socials were pulling up in cars where the greasers had to just walk there. And yep. in super nice yeah, cars. Yeah, super too. nice cars. And they dress well. like They're in their tacky pants and sweaters showing up to this fight. And you just know the greasers are going to win. I got to say, though, the socials are huge guys. They were big guys. The I greasers agree. were, on average, so much smaller 
mm-hmm. with the exception of Patrick Swayze. I don't know how tall he is, but he seems really big. He's not tall. Like, I think he's like, I don't know. He's not short, but he's not yeah. tall. And like the guy Patrick Swayze faces off against, too, he's really short. He's quite a bit shorter than Patrick Swayze. And the guy he mm-hmm. knew him, like they, they played football together in high school. Yeah, I think that's kind of when I watched this as an adult. A few things really stood out to me. One being the the idea of a scheduled fight in and of itself. And another is that the vast majority of these guys know that this whole thing is utter bullshit. Yeah. Well, but they feel like they have to do it anyway. Yes. Yeah, so even there's that conversation between Ponyboy and that Soch in the car. Where it's like a day or two before the rumble. Everyone knows there's no fighting before the rumble. And they start talking in the car and they're actually getting, that's one of my favorite scenes actually, mm-hmm. is they're getting along. And I think this, this guy kind of respects Pony Boy to a degree. And he, he talked about like, you know, whether you guys win or lose, you're still on the bottom. You're still greaser. We're a higher class than you. He realized the stupidity of it as well. And so did Pony Boy. Mm-hmm. But it's like this, uh, this idea of honor that if you don't show up, to this fight, you're a coward. You turned your back on this community. You turned your back on this greaser family. But then you see other greasers that you don't see in the other film. Right? Uh-huh. Like It's kind of like all these movie. gangs yeah. have got together. Which I would guess they fought each other in the past. Like sometimes you need a common enemy not to fight each other. Yeah. But it's like, again, I really don't think the socias would have anything to do with them. There'd be minor scraps occasionally. But like they'd be... Because like, all those guys would really be trying to do is get late at that age in those cars. Like, yeah. you would not yeah. be going to mess around fighting greasers. You'd be trying to get some pussy, basically. <laughs> Unless they, again, to your point about honor, like, oh, if they threaten me, we have to, well, okay. what, that whole honor. That's bit. a good point. Yeah. Because, again, this is another thing that confused me about this rumble. And there was a movie, or sorry, there was a scene in this movie that made me laugh out loud how stupid and really ridiculous it was. It's when they're visiting Dallas in the hospital. And this is after Johnny dies. Or maybe right before he died. Johnny's not doing well. Johnny's either dead or presumed going to die soon. And mm-hmm. he's like, you got to get even with these greasers or with these socias. Let's do it for Johnny. Yeah. And when he said, well, let's do it for Johnny like that, I laughed out loud. I'm like, that is what uh, the kids would call cringe today. Yeah, but I'm indeed. like, you killed one of their people. Granted, their people probably started it, but still, like yeah. one of their guys is dead. Yeah, that's a really good and, point. This isn't just like a fight. I guess that's what precipitated the rumble is that this murder happened, and these yeah. socials want to well, they want to get back at these greasers, which is not how you do it. You'd probably kill one of their guys, even though they probably wouldn't have the balls to do that. But you'd probably find a couple strays like they were originally trying to do and tune them up. But see that that's I guess why they did the rumble is because of the murder in the first place. But still, like honestly, I don't think the socials really is any worse than the greasers. Like that's kind of what I got out of this movie. Like when mm-hmm. I watched it as a teenager, mm-hmm. the greasers were the bad guy or the good guys, and the socials were yep. the these rich pricks who were assholes. And yeah. now I see it and I'm like, they're really just two sides of the same coin. One just has more money than the other, but or like it's ego it's people with too much time in their hands it's 
it's testosterone in aggression. To that point, the brawl, the actual fighting is like all out. They're like caveman style. Oh, yeah. Okay, so they have a cherry, I think is her name, something like that. Yeah, she's like the go-between. She's between. the so-called spy in the movie. Yeah. And, of course, the rumble has, is there, there's so many rules to this thing. Like, you can't fight a certain time before the rumble. The people were agreeing not to bring weapons there. Uh, so there's going to be a straight-up yeah. fistfight. And everyone obeys the rule, which I don't yeah. think would happen. I think basically both sides do have incentive. But I liked that, that they, to the honor point, like they had honor enough to I feel like there would be stuff in the cars, just in case. If the greaser shows up with knives, you have your baseball bats or whatever in the car. And I think the greasers that have knives in their pockets, but maybe it's like, okay, well, if these guys don't bring stuff, I'm not going to use the knife. Something Mm -hmm. like that. But I think in really there's an incentive for both to cheat. Or like if things were going bad, maybe say maybe the, I could see what happened. Say maybe the socials is they lose the rumble, go to their cars and they pop the trunk and get the bats out and be like, okay, you know, yeah. now you guys are going to pay. That is probably more realistic. Yeah. But yeah, so spoiler alert, the greasers win. So quote unquote, win the rumble and the socials retreat. But then I don't know, but then Dallas and Pony Boy. They're like all jazzed to go tell Johnny in the hospital. Oh, yes. So Johnny hadn't died their... yet. You're right. Yeah. But he does die. Like they go to tell him about their winning the Rumble. And yeah. As I saw them win the he's... Rumble, too, I was, they were so happy and cheering. And it's in the rain. Of course, the rain starts immediately as the fight starts, which I found on. Like they wanted to have a scene in well, the rain. Well, it's for the movie, Kyle. We have the yeah. music, the tense music, the lightning. The they don't the have rain. their talking confrontation in the rain. But as soon as like it's time yeah. to fight, it's like all of a sudden the rain comes down. Yeah. But they're cheering for that. And it's just like the futility. Like, what are you cheering about? Like, I understand that mm-hmm. you won. And you said you'd be happy. But it's just like, I really kind of look down on them. And I would look down on the socials well, too if they won and were cheering. I don't want to, you know, favor one group over the They other. are children. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, they are acting as 16-year-old boys that have had to drop out of high school and have no home like they're kind of act like this is all they have they don't really have anything positive in their life so this is kind of a big deal for them they won and you're right right. because as an adult i felt for Derry because Derry doesn't want any part of this he's freaking 20 he doesn't need to be doing this like one of the dudes was like his old yeah and if you get caught you're doing real jail time i'm 14 or whatever just yeah, I have noticed too, kind of growing up around poor people, being someone who is poor, they do get caught up in a lot of petty things. I'm not mm-hmm. saying rich people don't. Maybe it's different petty things, but it's like, yeah, with people like that, respect is like any, if they yeah. do anything to like disrespect someone, maybe who feels downtrodden originally, it's like, that's a big thing and they kind of seem more prone to drama you know and you see people in prison who are overwhelmingly from the underclass too and it's always like drama about some stupid bullshit like that and so it does kind of fit into this movie as well it is interesting that a 15 year old had that insight or a 16 year old or whoever wrote you know the person who wrote this book yeah she started it when she was 15 yeah really interesting the like ending line Johnny was writing, wrote a letter 
to Pony Boy. And Pony Boy doesn't see it until after Johnny dies. And Johnny says, stay gold, Pony Boy. And then he dies. And then Dal- Dallas dies, suicide by cop. Yeah. I don't know. And so it's like, there's not really a good ending. Like we're shown all this, like all this sh- really shitty stuff. But then the letter that Johnny writes shows that he's somehow through all of that still had a positive outlook on the world. You feel optimism, at least I felt optimism and hope for Pony Boy going forward. Yes. And that yeah. to me, I actually really liked the ending of the movie. I don't like cheesy, happy ending to films. Like, for example, Paco at the Rocky film. I like that he lost the fight at the end in the first Rocky movie. Yeah. And he, but he had his victory in the, the distance and the, he has Adrian, right? And similarly here, you see a very, this, it ends tragically where you have, you have a guy die that for like for a stupid reason. They basically had a mental breakdown and you have another guy die from those burns. And, but then his, he was able to send a message through that letter and have a positive impact and. You leave the movie feeling hope for Pony Boy, and I really like that character anyway. So I also kind of want him. Yeah. I want him to do better. I don't know. As a dad now, like my daughter's ten, right? She's only four years younger than this Pony Boy character. I view kids differently and teenagers differently than before, you know. And it's mm-hmm. like I kids or kids suffering or things like that. I'm not saying it can't pull. It's like I know you don't have kids. I'm not saying it wouldn't pull at your heartstrings. Maybe it always would. Maybe I was insensitive before to it. But having that experience of having kids has helped me be more sensitive towards that. And Oh, I can totally see yeah, that. It's kind of like having animals yeah. helps you yeah. more sensitive with animals too, right? Yeah. And it's I feel like I want to be Pony Boy's dad and want you know, want to give him a hug and, and be there for him. And, you know, I kind of have that hope for him. Or I kind of think, you know, I'm proud of you, you know, that you're kind of learning from Aww. this, and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It did end well. So there there was a scene where there's a little girl who asks for a yeah. dime. You know yeah, what I'm yeah. talking about? That that is Sophia Coppola. Oh, okay. Francis's daughter. So another family tie-in. Yet another one is that Nick Nicholas Cage auditioned for both Derry and Dallas, but his uncle Francis Ford turned him down, suggesting that he try out for the smaller role of two bit. But Cage was fed up and walked away from the project. He like, would have made a decent. I am not a, to be honest. He probably well, I'm not. A, he probably would have yes, but I, I, I'm not a Nick Cage fan. Fair enough. But yeah, but he, he can, he's he's the nephew. Yeah, of of our Adrian and his Francis southern Ford accent's not too bad either. Like he's played southern characters before. So I think he kind of would. Oh, really? Well, he was a southern guy in Con Air. Yeah, but I thought that was really bad. His southern accent was okay. Okay. Maybe right. I don't know. I'm not okay. from the. What would I know? North of the border. I'm not from the south either, yeah. so I don't know. And they're so varied. But I do. I will say, just generally speaking, I am fascinated by regional dialects and accents. Oh, same. Just I love trying speaking, to do. I them. find it really. I'm not super successful. But... I can't. You could do it better than Ryan. But like even within this, <laughs> I don't know about that, but even within the American South, there's like a vast difference between Alabama and Texas, oh, for example. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 
Tom Cruise, who played Steve Randall, he actually auditioned for the roles of literally almost all of them. Soda Pop, Daryl, Randy, and Dally before being cast as Steve, which is a smaller role. And then for the role of Dallas, Dennis Quaid turned it down. And Judd Nelson was considered. Who's that? Well, you have to watch St. Elmo's Fire because he's in that. He's part of the Brat Pack. Oh, okay. Did you watch? Please tell me you've seen the Breakfast Club, yep. Kyle. John Bender. Oh, ben- okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Judd Nelson. He was in that so, show later I- on. Two years like a yeah. show was it? A 90s show? Not the- Suddenly Susan, I want to say. He was. Uh, he had his own office. Wasn't it with, I feel like it was Suddenly Susan. It could Susan be Suddenly Susan. Yeah. Shields? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's it. Somebody correct me if I'm not thinking of the right thing. But yeah, he, I don't know, he hasn't really done anything lately. But I could see him as Dallas. Yeah. Oh, for Because he's got that edginess. Yeah, yeah, he would have been fine. I actually, like I said, I didn't, did not like Dallas. And I didn't really like the way he was played either. Oh, I thought it was way too okay. over the top. Like, I just couldn't. I can see that. That, that do yeah, it for Johnny. That's that. the thing that, like, killed it for me. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really care for that either. It was cringy. Daryl. So our Patrick. Mickey Rourke auditioned. Hmm. No yeah, way. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like that. And then several people uh, were considered for Pony Boy. Val Kilmer turned it down. He had a theatrical commitment. Timothy Hutton was also considered, as was Anthony Michael Hall, who also in The Breakfast yeah. Club and Weird Science. Like he's the younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have, I could see him being Pony Boy. Yeah. Maybe. I just I, like I Pony like Boy. He's my favorite in this movie. Like I'd be. Okay. I. Yeah. You like. You I'd have a hard time. You know what I mean? If it's your favorite character, you wouldn't know. You couldn't think of swapping them out. Or like Dallas's character. Yeah, I'm like, you could swap them whoever. With... I don't <laughs> Yeah. Whoever. I don't care. That's how I am with Derry. I'm like, it has to be Patrick Swayze. Johnny. Scott Bayo was considered. Maybe. I think he's maybe a little. I don't know. Yeah. And then Cherry, uh, who was played by the stunning uh, Diane Lane. Sarah Jessica Parker turned it down. And we talked about her. She was in Square Pegs. Sarah Jessica Parker is beautiful. But, yeah. In a very different yeah, way, Yeah, I really, she was like, I was a little taken aback. By how, yeah. Sometimes think, if women look kind of too dated, for me, mm-hmm. they're not as attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, like, say, oh, like, for instance, like women in, like, portrayed, like, 1940s, like the way their hair was and stuff like that during the war. Yeah. It reminds me of, like, my grandma or something like that. So even though they're, like, way younger, I'm just like, nah. <laughs> or really yeah. poofy 80s hair or something like that. It bothers me, but, man, she looked really good. Just the classically yeah. beautiful, but and she's very waspy oh, looking. Yeah. And Sarah Jessica Parker is not. No. Um, she has a very different look to her. Brooke Shields, who we just talked about, she also turned down the role of Cherry. I could actually see her being Cherry. See. Now, Heather Langenkamp, you wouldn't know the name, but did you ever watch the movie or the TV show Just the Ten of Us? No, I didn't. It was a spinoff of Growing Pains? No. No. Oh, I loved it. 
She played Marie. So for those of you who watched just the ton of us, she played Marie in that. And she was also Nancy in A Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. Um, but she actually had a cameo. So she tried out for the part of Cherry. Didn't get it. But there was a scene that was cut from the movie where she was in it as a girl at the drive-in. Oh, okay. Like another girl at the drive-in. Yeah. Oh, those were some of the ones. There's like a ton of trivia, but those are the ones I thought you might find interesting. No, there's some good little And well, I, I would love to spend more time with these guys, this cast of characters, this group of guys. Totally my jam. We must now return to the present day reality until next time. Kyle, it's always a pleasure to podcast with yeah, you. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much for joining me. I thought there was some do you, cute, have any... you know, what we do in the other podcast. You're like, Kyle, no, like, no. What? what am I doing? You're like, oh shit, did I miss that? No. I was just going to ask you if you had any final thoughts on The Outsiders or any plugs. Okay, well, final thoughts are, it is a classic movie. I really enjoyed watching it. It brought me back to my past because I can remember how I thought about it, which is what I liked so much about it. Like, it helped me connect my, a past version of myself. If you watch something you haven't seen mm -hmm. in so long, if that movie came out today and I'd never seen it before, I probably wouldn't be the hugest fan of it same yeah. but it's nostalgic and it has that has a piece of my heart that way and i think that i it makes you want to read the book you know because i think it's probably one of those situations where the book actually is a lot better so i think i'm pretty sure i'm going to read the book now i'm going to get it from the library or whatever that'll be my next project but it was a it was an enjoyable hour and a half of my time that i'm glad i did great well, listeners, if you have questions, comments, I would love to hear them on YouTube, Facebook page, or you can always email me at retromadepodcast at gmail.com. Please don't forget to follow the show in your podcast app and also uh, on the YouTube channel. Do you have a Patreon or anything like that? I do not, but there, I have a tipping function. Okay, listeners, tip Katie. She works hard for this. Yeah. Podcasting's not free. This equipment isn't free. I could tell you she's renting a better setup than other podcasts have been on that I won't mention. So, you know, she's doing this for your listening pleasure. She'll send a couple bucks Katie's way. And no, I was not paid to say that. Oh, no word. And that's so nice of you. If anybody does want to support the show by offering a tip, uh, there's a link in the show notes as well as on, uh, on the website. That's also in the show notes. So, yeah. But until next time, be kind, rewind. Yeah.